0: Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Parent-Driven Development Podcast. I'm Josh Pitts, and today I'm here with my friend Catherine.
1: Hi, uh, I'm Kay Wu, and today we're here with our guest Allison, who will be chatting with us about on-call schedules. Welcome, Allison. Allison is a software engineer with enthusiasm for charts and data visualizations. In her previous work, she has been everything from a registered nurse to a customs officer to working with kids with special needs. If you can think of a job, she's probably done it. She can often be found chasing her two little boys, ages four and one, around in the pottery studio, baking sourdough, or playing board games, which are all topics I am also interested in hearing about as well. (laughs) Thanks so much for joining us, Allison. Hi, everyone. So, Allison, I was really excited to have you join us today because of a really interesting setup that you'd mentioned when you, is it, it it's your current job, I think, that you were hired into when you started being on call. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. My current job at Honeycomb. And so were you pregnant at the time that you started this job or you just had your youngest child? What was the timing of that like?
2: Yeah, so I've actually only been at Honeycomb since March, so my youngest son was seven months old when I was hired. He is a terrible sleeper, and he's only just started sleeping through the night.
1: Oh my god, congratulations. Uh, Thanks.
0: It's amazing what happens, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah.
1: Are are you sleeping at all, though? Because after, after we did night weaning for my son, who just turned one a couple weeks ago as well... I do it's been like a month since then and like I feel like I need some sleep training to sleep through the night again if that's ever going to happen. <laughs> so, oh my goodness. Yes.
2: The first couple of nights I would wake up at his usual waking time and I was like, <laughs> nope, rolling over, back
1: to sleep. This is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then I also felt like I had several months worth of deficit to catch up. I mean, like since since like the last trimester even cuz I was not very comfortable then. And yeah it has been like well over a year since i had had a full night's sleep it's worth having it's worth it having kids though if there are like childless listeners out there <laughs> it's great but also it is like kind of torture
0: so, it's so I, I think at this point we at like 15 episodes in i think we have scared off all of our childless listeners
1: <laughs> <laughs> maybe i mean there there are people who you watch reality shows about people who live very different lives and so Allison, you were starting this job at Honeycomb, and your baby is not sleeping through the night. And to know that this job comes with on-call, and you could have another item which could cry out for you in the middle of the night, that probably would not be appealing at all. Yeah,
2: and the worst fear is actually if they both cry at the same time. <laughs> what do you do when your pager goes
0: off
1: and your kid needs you?
0: <laughs> which child do you love the most, your real child or your work child?
1: well, I need the work child in order to feed the baby child. You know? <laughs> but if I like didn't have the baby child, then like, my personal philosophy is, it's often an embroidered motto on things, like right? with granny cross-stitch, you work to live, not live to work, that kind of thing, right? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Fortunately, my manager and CEO here at Honeycomb, those are two different people, they recognize the fact that asking me to wake up Even the potential of having further wake-ups in the night was just probably a Mm no-go. I was asking my manager about this, and she was like, okay, so we probably shouldn't just say, you're hired, here's your pager. So even without me asking, Emily and Charity decided that Emily should just take the pager for me. That's my manager. She would just take the pager for me during non-working hours. So it ended up with me being on call during my regular work hours, and then she would take the pager at night, which was awesome and so awesome that I didn't have to ask for that.
1: Yeah. When you're starting a new job and to establish yourself and the work you and have that be solidly the side that people are interacting with most, for sure. Yes, exactly. When they decided on this, they were like, okay, well, we'll
2: do this until her son turns one and then we'll reevaluate, not with a hard cut off at Mm -hmm. one for me taking the pager at night, but just like time to check in then. And
1: Mm -hmm. I like that too, because I feel like a lot of workplaces might be really hesitant to propose plans like this when, if they think it's going to go on indefinitely or if they'll get questions from other folks on the team and you to make sure everyone is fairly and equally supported, that sort of thing. So Mm -hmm. by having, like thinking ahead to build in this check-in sounds like that was really good forethought for sure.
2: Yeah. And also... For them to remember that fair and equitable, having everything be equal across the team doesn't make it fair for everybody on the team. Mm -hmm.
0: I want to get a little bit of background, Allison. Was this your first position with and first experience with OnCall?
2: almost. (laughs) Just (laughs) before I left my old job, they were trying to get me to go on call. And that was when my baby was like, just come back from parental leave. And my baby was four months old. And they were like, let's add you to the on call schedule. Like, it was terrible. But then um, I really procrastinated on it for a while. And then my manager left and I just let that fall to the wayside.
0: bullet dodged yeah yeah
2: that's exactly how i felt i was like oh my gosh maybe if i just don't schedule any meetings about this or yeah. i think it's a
0: really common like approach though i mean i know uh, child related things in my job i've been afraid to bring them up and it mm-hmm. almost seems well maybe i can just work around them it almost feels like in our society we feel like child issues and parenting issues are a burden are solely like the parents deal. Like I, it's my kid, it's my deal. I have to somehow work it out. And I expecting anybody at work to make any accommodations for it. Saying at Honeycomb, if you just bring up the issue, you can find people that will work with you on it.
2: Yeah, absolutely. At my old job, it definitely felt like I was bringing additional burdens every time I ask for any kind of accommodation. Whereas here at Honeycomb, everybody's of course we'll do that. Like that makes absolute sense. Let's make a policy around that. So it's easier for future parents to have the Mm -hmm. same kind of thing.
1: And was this like part when you were negotiating your offer or was that actually after you had started?
2: It was after I had started. So Mm -hmm. I was pretty sure that joining Honeycomb would mean I would be on call. And so Mm -hmm. it came as a nice surprise when my manager was like, I'll just take the pager It's okay.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, I'm sure in your interview process, there probably were other signals that you were looking for as you were assessing a potential employer of whether this seems likely to be a supportive workplace for your particular needs and such, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. It helped that I knew a couple of people who already worked here at Honeycomb and they were just reassured me it was the kind of place that was really flexible and open to supporting their employees be who they are as people.
1: Because I mean, the, the point that you mentioned josh earlier i feel so torn about this all the time because you know there's right. definitely a part of me that's both yeah like work is work professionalism should mean something and i want to be known for my work skills and contributions there but at the same time i am a whole person i know aspect of my life should really be hidden and i don't hate for other people to ever feel like they'd have to hide parts of themselves too And so, even outside of a work context, it's a thing too now that I'm trying to get better at when I'm interacting with other friends, not letting conversations devolve entirely to about parenting chores and like what cute thing my son did. Even though that is like 90% (laughs) of what I think about all the time right now at this stage in life,
0: right? I feel like on call is like a very special instance because with a lot of employers that my friends work for and my employers um, in the last couple of years, there's kind of an implicit understanding that you're sort of kind of always supposed to be available even if nobody ever says that maybe a pressure we put on ourselves that you're always reachable on slack or email and on call feels like the one special time where it actually does get called out to say no you really do need to be available during this period of time and in some ways i kind of think that makes it easier like i can see on a calendar oh yes on this day from this this time to this time. I have to be ready to go if a pager goes off. And at least you can kind of schedule around it. Whereas the rest of the time, it's like, oh, was there an email? Was there a Slack message? Should I even be checking? Have either of you found that?
2: Yeah, it's really analogous to being the primary parent, but being the primary parent for whatever service you're supporting. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't. I. I wonder, like, who's on call for parenting when you're on call for work? We talk about it at home. That oh, hey, you're on baby duty now, and oh, that's get good, or whatever else, right?
2: Yeah, this week while I'm on call. My husband, I've told him like he needs to be the primary parent this week, mm-hmm. and hilariously about an hour before we started our call I got a text from daycare being like oh one of your boys has a fever like not you don't have to come get him yet and I was just immediately like that just needs uh, to go to my partner he's on call for the kids this week and we
1: have sometimes to kind of on call for different topics almost in a way we have a nanny who come Like, we both work remotely but when the nanny comes, I tend to be on call earlier in the day for arranging the schedule for the day and doing any updates there necessarily but near the end of the day we We've had a few conversations now where I'm like, I finally sit down and get to concentrate for a few hours in the afternoon and I don't want to do the end of day wrap up like he's on call for that when that happens, because I've been feeling frustrated of having to interrupt myself so constantly and I need a solid few hours that can count on to not feel rushed to wrap things up at the end of the day. That's how we're
0: splitting it there. Love the idea of like declaring which parent if you have multiple parents is going to be on call for (laughs) those incoming requests. I think that's awesome. We've tried to, my partner and I have tried to negotiate that as well and we found out really quickly that our child's older and we have to let her know as well. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Especially, you know, if I'm taking care of something at work or my pager goes off, we have to let our our child know like, hey, like I'm on call, so if something comes up, I might not be able to respond to you right away. You have to go to the other parent. I think it's really hard for kids to understand, especially like fourth graders, third graders. Yes. <laughs> my my yes. daughter kind of understands the idea of call, but yeah. since since I work from home, she's like, well, I don't see how it's different. Yeah. You're still working all the time. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, circle back a little bit to the idea of especially with when the cross cutting concerns with working remotely and like how boundaries around work can be a little fuzzy then. I mean, I feel like a lot of it is that it's hard to try to draw those clear boundaries when you're working in the same space, like with where your family is, it's all close together. And like other people having difficulty keeping those boundaries very clear is like how other people have gotten used to doing and it's a habit does the fact that they're doing this impose an expectation on other folks as well. That's something that's really hard to tell since so much of it is implicit.
0: Allison, do you find that you have changing plans or changing how you approach your week when you're on call?
2: No, actually, one of the cultural values here at Honeycomb is that you should still be able to live your life when you're on call. And we try to build our products so that we don't get paged. And when pages come up, we try to resolve the underlying problems. So the next person's life won't be so bad. And that means that ultimately off hours, we don't get paged very often.
0: That's nice. And so
2: if, for example, yesterday I took one of my sons to swimming lessons and during that half hour, I was in the pool with him. I just like pinged the other on-call engineer because we, we do it in pairs. We have one yeah. platform, one product engineer. Ah. I just pinged the other on-call engineer and I was like, Hey, just so you know, I won't be available for the next half an hour. I'll hear my phone if you're like calling me a whole bunch because I'll be by the pool,
0: that kind of thing. On-call in pairs as engineers, that's a great idea if your organization can swing it. I know our organization is pretty small in terms of engineering, so we don't have enough engineers to double up like that. But that's a that's a really great idea.
2: Yeah, we're actually pretty small, too. I think we only have maybe eight to 10 engineers in the on-call rotation. Mm. So, like, cool. Yeah, we have four or five on each rotation.
1: And so do do a week at a time, and then there are two people on for that week? That's right, yeah. I'm curious for the two of you as well, if you have like what an escalation policy for your on-call maybe? So we don't exactly two engineers paired for an on-call, but you have a primary person, and if... That person doesn't happen to get it, then it'll fall through to a secondary on call. And if that one misses it, then it ends up to the pool of managers for the teams that are involved in the schedule. And the culture is that occasionally you would expect some pages to fall through from primary to secondary and there's no resentment about it at all. It is the same philosophy that we're trying for at any rate of you should be able to keep going on with your life and not like, sorry to be gross, you shouldn't be bringing your computer and phone into like the bathroom with you, right? Or Like <laughs> no, putting a notice every time like, oh hey, like I need to shower so like I'll be gone for 10 minutes. Hopefully things are in a better situation than that at least, right?
0: <laughs> I mean, I'm sure work would pay for a waterproof phone if that was okay. <laughs>
1: my son he's like still mouthing everything and i like kind of have given up (laughs) on the remote control and even like a a surge protector we're like fine we'll just unplug it from the wall here you can have it. But like the phone is where I'm like <laughs> Never really trying to hold this line because like stuff is gross. That's really <laughs> gross.
0: <laughs> we have a similar setup where we have a primary person on a call and then we have a, someone who's the escalation mm-hmm. person and it hardly ever escalates, but sometimes it does. And they're just there as a safety net. We also have a culture at at CodeChip of people kind of casually watching Slack, our workforce is divided between North America and Europe. So there's usually somebody around working. So if the page goes off and Slack starts throwing large exclamation points in our emergency room, nine times out of 10, there is someone else around, even though they might not particularly be on call that will jump in and help, but not always. So be prepared to be that lone person out there. It can be scary.
1: So I I wanted to also talk a little bit about onboarding onto being in the on-call rotation and hearing what it was like for you folks, because our process that we're currently doing is you sort of shadow for a week. And it's like, that's kind of focused on business hours, because on-call also does support tickets for the week. And then we were doing a thing called reverse shadowing, which is the thing that I just got off of, where there is another person who is primary, and there is also still a secondary, just like the, it normally is in the schedule. But I put my name into the escalation policy in pager duty, so that any pages would page both me and the official primary on call at the same time. So I guess kind of as part of onboarding, we're doing this pairing in case any incidents do come up and then you're assured of someone being there who has experience with that. The idea that we, I'll, I'll join the rotation officially for the next round and there will be some expectation like, OK, this is, this is my first full shift as primary and who's ever on secondary will probably be aware of that and like know that they are slightly more likely to have to jump in to help if something comes up than they might otherwise. So, yeah, so I don't know kind of what your onboarding process for joining the on-call rotation looked like for you too. Because
2: we have the two rotations, when somebody joins, they'll probably join the, the product on-call and then the product on-call engineer tends to do more with support tickets that come in or any UI bugs that come up or those kinds of things. And then they are the secondary pager for the platform engineer for all those bigger on-call moments. So when somebody joins the rotation, they'll tend to join that product on-call rotation to sort of get their feet wet, and then they'll join the platform rotation after that.
0: We have a somewhat different setup for our on-call, and we are blessed to have customer support personnel that handle the tickets and interactions with the customer. So our on-call is strictly operational type issues mm-hmm. or servers exploding or something like that. And our onboarding is typically we time it with our physical in-person meetups that we have every couple of months. And then we'll we'll take anyone that's like brand new to the team. They'll be the primaries on call during that week or somewhere so that we can like physically sit and tag team issues. And then they'll be into the call rotation, but with a heavy dose of backup for the first couple of weeks.
1: Oh. Oh, that's so interesting because I can definitely see how when you're in person then that can be quick exchange of lots of knowledge related and tribal yeah. knowledge related to the tickets right
0: exactly and it somewhat speaks to like we may, we may rely on it too much we maybe haven't done as good a job as recording some of that tribal knowledge as we should but it, it is a little higher bandwidth it also mm-hmm. like helps just to have somebody physically there mm-hmm. when everything's blowing up and it's maybe a system you don't know about and you're mm-hmm. not quite sure what to do it, it yeah. helps to have the whole team there basically to be like, okay, hold my hand. I don't know what's happening.
2: There's something so nice about pairing in person beside another engineer who has the experience. Yeah. Totally,
1: totally. I was thinking that maybe some of this too is that when you're in person and you can you have the help of body language there as well. To especially when you're the newer person and you're joining and you see the more experienced engineer also sitting there like scratching their heads. This is weird. I don't know what's going on. Like, <laughs> let's investigate, right? When you're both remote, then that is happening behind the screen. You only see answers come from them generally. You wouldn't necessarily see all the steps before where they're like, okay, I opened a bunch of tabs, all looking at different kinds of things and like I have no idea what this is just yet I feel like that's comforting to see that in person
0: Yeah. Body language thing is huge. Also, kind of a side benefit is when we do this during our our team get together week, we're all traveling. I don't want to say it like this, but we're all away from our families. So you've already dealt with the question of where is your family and who is taking care of them while you're away and you're just kind of purely focused on work. So you don't have to worry about juggling your first on call rotation and the kids just drop something in the living room and the dog is throwing up and this, that and the other thing.
1: Hmm, yeah, you're funneling to like two birds with one stone, kind of like you already had to arrange for everything just to do the offsite and then get even more out of it. And you know, there's everyone around there who's in a similar situation. So when you at- reach out for help they're all probably a little more available than they normally might be otherwise, too.
0: Right, and then the difficulty level goes up when you go home. It takes it up a notch.
1: I feel like on-call can a little bit, like public speaking, though, in that you just have to experience it a few times and sort of have your body physically learn, okay, it's a frightening experience, but so far, at least, it has not literally killed me yet. (laughs) Because like before you get into it, I mean, for public speaking, right, every time I step out before the stage still, I'm just, why did I choose to do this? This is a terrible idea. (laughs) (laughs) But like really learning like, okay, I will survive this. It will be fine. There's a reason I chose software engineering over becoming a doctor. Like do not want life and death decisions to hinge on my job performance Personal.
2: <laughs> Remember that point in my bio when I was a registered nurse? Oh, yeah. yeah. Now I'm in software.
0: Oh, so were you ever were you on call as a nurse?
2: No, I was never on call as a nurse.
0: I was really curious to compare and contrast because I feel like I'll tell people I'm on call or I'll mention a pager and they think there's physically a pager and then I'll be like, Oh, no, no, no. If like, what happens if the pager goes off, they just assume like it might be a hospital or something. I'm like, oh no, no, no. It's it's okay. Like I I go in my email. No one's going to die.
1: (laughs) It it has been a mental adjustment for me during the week of remembering to bring everything with me if we go out to do family things in the outside of business hours time of make sure the backpack has all the chargers and pretty much like as long as I can get signal and a power outlet, I can probably be okay. But I confess, I forgot a few times this past week and kind of just got lucky that nothing happened. I think we have all done that.
0: (laughs) I know for sure. And it's usually the most boring situation. Like I was in a cavernous grocery store that didn't have any cell phone signal. And I realized, Oh no, if I get called now, I the text message might go through and I'm going to have to run out to my car and drive till I have cell phone signal. So I
2: hadn't even thought about the fact that I wouldn't be able to go shopping at the grocery store cuz it also doesn't have cell service in there.
0: Yeah. I've become really accustomed to knowing where I get cell service and where I have Wi-Fi service. And there is a particular grocery store I go to that has Wi-Fi <laughs> that I shop at. It's not my preferred grocery store, but I go there <laughs> when I'm on call because I know I have a signal <laughs> in that grocery store.
1: What about like movies or concerts? Like for, for me, I guess it's not that relevant a question because I haven't gone to a movie in a real theater and I don't anticipate be doing <laughs> that, that soon anyway. But theoretically, what's your team's culture as of how to handle that kind of outing while you're on call?
2: I don't think I've asked that question of the rest of my team, but... Mm-hmm. Similarly, I, I don't remember the last movie I went to.
1: <laughs> According to Facebook, basically, for my feed, I am the only Asian American millennial in the entire country that has not seen Crazy Rich <laughs> Asians yet. My parents have seen it. And I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll wait till it's streaming somewhere, probably. I have the book
0: on
2: hold at the library. So yes. that's similar, right? Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I have heavy rental plans.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, other other people with kid my age, like I'm sure they can go out, but we're working on the weaning so that I have a little bit more breastfeeding is also kind of being on call for providing nutrition and sustenance.
2: Yes, but uh, you never go off call. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> or like, if you want to, it requires so much preparation and like very carefully ahead of time if you're gonna try to pump on top of exclusive breastfeeding or whatever else. So Press reading so, is only free if your time isn't worth anything.
0: To get back to your question, Wu, I think it's a yeah. really good question about your team's expectations are. I think so much mm-hmm. of this just comes down to has your team had the conversation? We very early on had a conversation on our team about when you're on call, what's done with the incident? Like what are your responsibilities? And it seems pretty obvious, right? You just have to fix the thing. We actually came up with no, you don't have to fix the thing. You just yeah. have to make sure you are coordinating someone that is fixing the thing, whether that's you're tracking down someone that can fix it, you've made a plan to triage it, you've stopped the bleeding to use more terrible medical analogies. (laughs) So it's not that you personally are trying to fix everything. It's that you're, you know, helping guide a team and take some notes. So if there has to be a postmortem that we've got all the information for that, but that, that really helped like my anxiety level knowing that, okay, it's not that at any point in time, if I'm out at the park with my daughter and the pager goes off, I have to, Book it right home immediately and be heads down, hacking away at Heroku trying to fix this. I can take time to gather a team. And there's an urgency there, but it's not like I have to yank her off the swing. Like, we have to go. <laughs> the Pager's going. Which, the first couple of times before we had this conversation, I was like, oh, the Pager's going. We got to get home. I got to <laughs> get home right now.
1: <laughs> or conversely, also had- feeling like you can't even take the time to drive home. You're like, the sun's going down. It's dark in the park. And like, you're on your computer trying to. <laughs>
0: oh, and, and, Like, the first couple of times, I wouldn't even go to the park. I was like, nope, sorry, honey. We have to stay <laughs> home the whole weekend because daddy's on call. And this potato could just explode at any second. So it was good to have a conversation with our team about our response time is we're expected to respond to the page right away. But it's acceptable to be like, I'm at the grocery store, I'm heading home to look at this. If somebody else around that can stop the bleeding sooner, because nobody wants to try to like fix something from their phone. It's awful.
1: Definitely. And I think there's a difference, too, in the act of being on call and responding where like the triage versus the fixing side of things. I think our expectations since you acknowledge the page as quickly as possible and you have enough with you and you're in a situation where you can pause to at least do the five to 10 minutes initial of this a misfiring alert kind of is it on that end of the spectrum or is it oh my god no like we really need to get everyone on board right now we also have like incident command folks that we can page in to help with a lot of the coordination too so i think it's similar in that we've been working on an onboarding program overall and someone did a module on on-call expectations and like put it all down. If you've been working on an incident and it's been over four hours, then maybe you get someone to swap off with someone just so you can take a mental break. Because like sometimes the incidents could go on for days at a time. Rare, oh, wow. but possible, right? We have a
2: written down document about like, on-call expectations and the escalation policy and. It's kind of like the company culture. If you've been working on something for more than five minutes and it's impacting their customers, then you escalate and you just bring in more people. And so it's just a little bit easier to get the rest of the team on board, especially because it's written down as a policy.
0: I wanted to ask Allison for your best on-call story. I think everybody has amazing on-call stories. Let's hear it. Go for it.
2: So amazingly enough, I've never actually been paged while being on-call because I only took the pager a little while ago. And most of the incidents that I've been involved with are UI bugs that have come in from customers. And my Ah. favorite one is one I still have yet to solve. It's just, it's been lurking out there eh, about a month now, but it's an incident error that came up in our, we have a table where people can send in events and you can see the raw data in this table and you can select columns to add them or filter by. And if you, this one user had a column called error, if you click error, (laughs) it just adds the word error to the (laughs) list indefinitely <laughs> it's errors all the way down exactly
0: <laughs> what was <laughs> promised errors
1: all
2: the way down <laughs>
0: <laughs> click here for error
2: yeah i really
1: should fix that i have a similar thing that came in um, while i was on call it wasn't a page i was looking at our, our roll bars and we were having like really weird error blowing things up and i realized the problem was, so I'm on an API team and we have you know, a bunch of different endpoints that are all namespaced, but we had, so, so there's like a concept of teams or organizations that users can choose to name something, but we also had nested endpoints underneath that. And so we'd had a user that chose a name that conflicted with this other endpoint. We, we didn't, we should have blacklisted it, but we didn't. And we were just sitting there scratching like, wait, there's a team named apps, but there's also a team slash apps endpoint and no wonder our system is just like blowing up right now (laughs) fortunately it just so far i just meant that they couldn't get notifications but otherwise yeah I, I was looking in the code of the from when this was launched and actually there was a comment several years ago that was, yeah, so there's an edge case where this might blow up. And then that was it. <laughs> it was like <laughs> anticipated and like left a comment for the future engineers on the team. And then I'm sure there was a good reason at the time that they didn't address it then, but it was just like left hanging, floating out there. And so we happened the, to come the, across it.
2: The classic to-do with no future task to ever Go yeah. back to that to-do. <laughs>
0: We have to do's in our code base and they're followed by, I'll just say the name Peter. They're followed by the name of an engineer that I think was tasked to fix them. So we have to do Peter all (laughs) over the place, but nobody really knows who Peter is. (laughs) So it's kind of become an in-joke when we talk about who's working on feature X. like Peter, Peter's going to take that one.
1: (laughs) Oh my God, that's so good. I love it.
0: I think my best on-call story was it was over the course of a week. So we haven't talked much about how long we're on call. Like I mentioned, our development team tends to be split between North America and Europe. And that's really nice because we were on call for a seven-day period, but only 12 hours at a time. So like 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. and then it'll flip to someone in Europe. So that's really nice that you don't have to worry about overnights. So I was on call for like a week. And during that week, we were having some... Like I mentioned before, we're mostly kind of like operational type issues, scalability, server, stuff like that. We had a week where we were dealing with some cryptocurrency miners abusing our platform. And because of the timing between US and Europe, it would always kind of hit usage alerts around five or six in the evening. And it happened to be every night for about four nights in a row as I was in the middle of making dinner the pager would go off with one particular user starting up 500 cryptocurrency jobs. And it was annoying, but the the hatred I developed... (laughs) specifically for this person dude i'm just trying to make dinner can you just cool it with the bitcoin for just just an hour i gotta get the table by the third night like my my husband be like yeah we're just gonna get pizza again i'm sorry the noodles they're all gross the vegetables have burnt because i left the stove and just dude i will pay you bitcoin to stop it (laughs) (laughs) so my family actually really likes it when i get page now because my daughter is like daddy's page pizza time page
1: means pizza
0: (laughs) page means pizza at our house
1: oh man in those situations where you're like already in general like because of the sleep deprivation and just the hard parts i have to keep a check-in on the impulse to you know lash out or like find someone to blame for like how frustrated i am right now but in your situation (laughs) You actually had a specific person who was really at fault and not just your partner because they happened to be there. It
0: was probably a bot, but I really personified this particular bot. <laughs> yeah. really heavily.
1: Wait, did you name
0: them? Oh, yes. We, we had an email uh, address that contained a name. And so it was, uh, I think it was Kevin. And it was just I was like, Kevin. <laughs> oh. Which is also now like a general, if there's a cryptocurrency like use issue, it's just like, oh, Kevin, <laughs> stop
1: it. <laughs> If we have listeners named Peter or Kevin, we really appreciate your I apologize your to all our Peters and Kevin. <laughs> no personal offense, but still, it's useful to personify it in some way. And that actually brings up a point in terms of hours of coverage, where I mean, actually, in similar way to work meetings, sometimes too, with meeting with Asia, where I'm almost, I would almost rather be on call between 9 p.m. and midnight. Than 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. Those oh, evening six hours, 6 to 9 is the worst it's parenting hard.
0: hours. Yeah, like really, like that the most intense. It's parenting prime time. It's fussy hour for babies when they have their breakdown.
1: yeah yeah Yeah, bath time and chasing down my son right now he's been in a habit where he like he has his daily poop right in that time and that's like a multiple (laughs) person one person to corral him like one person to make sure he doesn't like smear it all over himself one person immediately take the trash outside because that's a biohazard and nobody's gonna sleep if that's still in there oh god it's so bad but overall, it sounds like it's really nice to have a team where you're geographically distributed enough that other people's business hours can
0: help cover the
1: 24 hours in the day. I'm a little jealous of that.
0: Sounds like, hey, Boo, you're on, on call for like a three-hour period?
1: Oh, no. Wow. We're on call 24 hours for the seven days of the week. And usually the week prior is when you're on secondary, so you're like the backup on call. They're like, gotcha. really, it's like a two-week period that you should be prepared to have your stuff with you and respond to things.
0: How about you, Allison? What does your schedule look like for call?
1: We go on call on Monday afternoons, and then
2: it's for weeks.
0: Yeah. It seems like the whole week thing is, is pretty common.
2: Yeah. yeah. I think, though, that if somebody has a particularly terrible on call, we'll switch it over sooner.
1: Mm, like no. If it's just like
2: really intense overnight or something like that, we'll just get them off, throw somebody else into the fray.
1: Yeah, that sounds really nice because we definitely also, we call it like the on-call hangover. On-call hangover, you take a couple days after to file the tasks that need to be done, do a write-up if you need to for the retro, things like that. But that sounds just like really caring and giving that people will just start their next shift a little early if it needs to be.
2: Yeah, that is kind of a summary of our culture here is it's really caring it's really
1: great. It's
0: awesome. awesome. Should we move into our genius and fail section?
1: Oh, I actually have one more question for Allison before we get to that, if that's
0: all right. Of course.
1: So uh, Allison, you mentioned when you were talking about this plan when you were hired that, they, that you would do the check-in at the one-year mark. Has that happened yet? I'm just curious about how that was going.
2: Yeah, that did happen. My son turned one back in July, and shortly thereafter, my manager was, "Oh, so we should probably talk about this." And I could tell she like felt a little bit bad about it, but like, (laughs) I hadn't actually known that it was a policy that they'd come up with, and like, I didn't even know the backstory of of why she had taken the pager for me. But I had been planning on bringing it up because right around then, my son had started sleeping through the night, and I was like, "Okay, I'm ready to take the pager." And so it was kind of. It was perfect timing, really. She was bringing it up right at the same time that I was.
1: That's so great. So you're doing the outside business hours now, too? Yes. Mm-hmm. And
2: in fact, this is my first week of fully being on yeah. call for the 24
0: hours, seven yeah. days. So your pager could go off at any moment. Any moment. <sighs>
2: but my husband was on call for years and years and years. And it used to be that he'd wake up in the middle of the night and like wouldn't wake up to his phone or like his pager would go off and I'd lean over and like, whap him and it'd be like, it's pager. Pager.
0: Is it the same kind of pager? Is it uh, in software development as well?
2: Yeah, we're both uh, in software. Gotcha.
0: My husband was a nurse for many years and c- carried a physical old school beeper pager. And when that thing went off, he would have to go to the hospital and it would always go off at like 3 a.m. and it ear piercingly loud noise. I'm so thankful that we have apps like PagerDuty. And I don't know if either of you carry a physical pager. I'm just I'm guessing you don't.
2: It's just PagerDuty. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm so thankful that there's not an actual physical pager. That noise is horrifying.
2: You know, me too, but there's something kind of, it would be nice to have a real pager sometimes. Just have it separate from my phone. Here is the physical pager.
1: (laughs) I did have (laughs) to adjust my setting. Like I had turned everything to be max and immediate on the PagerDuty app because I was uh, really afraid that I would miss something. But when I tested getting paged this week, it turned out in reality, it was I actually do need to build in a little bit of a delay for each one because the phone would ring and I would get the text and the app would go off. So I was getting the, I'd set them to go, go at the same time. I couldn't actually respond and acknowledge quite as quickly as if I just said like, okay, just text me first. And like, I'll probably see that quickest and then call me a minute or two later if I haven't responded. Logistically, we actually have it set up so that I, I put a daybed in my office. And so when I'm on call, oh. I actually spend the night in my office because up until recently well actually still technically we're room sharing with our son. And so like definitely the hell have no fury if you wake up my baby for, for whatever reason. Like if that Bitcoin oh miner had you been wake up my the baby, <laughs> baby.
2: Because you were being paged and you like couldn't tend to the baby and ugh, that
1: would be a disaster. Right. Yeah. Ugh
0: that's horrifying. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. So it's just like put a bed in the office, and, the, and that's kind of how we're. Here. I mean, kind of nice to have the space once in a while.
0: Ooh, I like this idea. I think I'm gonna have to actually maybe get a room at a local resort. <laughs> yeah. you no, know, Daddy needs a little spa time because he's on call this week. <laughs> I think that could happen.
1: Love it. All right, I think that's a perfect segue to going into parenting genius and or fail moments uh that that we'd like to share so that's definitely a future genius moment for you oh
0: Josh. someone's got to make it happen Allison yeah. get on it
2: oh so, well work is sending me to Seattle next week and I'm just like nobody's gonna wake me up all night long it's gonna be great
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah I think I've there's a thing where like I'm needed so much and that's like kind of nice, but also that's that's what I want to take a break from of nobody needs me, nobody touching me, like nobody talking to me. Mm-hmm. Just by myself is really great. So speaking of which that's my submission for genius moment of this week. I actually just decided to take today off from work. Officially we have an unlimited PTO, but you know it's a, for me anyway, it's the thing where because it's not counting up anywhere, I have trouble figuring out sometimes like when would it be appropriate for me to take time off and I was like oh like I should I'm used to over the years like saving up for a trip or holidays or whatever else kind of thing but last week I was like I should just take the day off you know go do a bunch of things work on projects of my own like still have the nanny come, but take a day off from work was like a big epiphany for me yeah yeah, because I've been assuming like, oh, you know, like we have Labor Day off soon. And so the nanny's not coming that day. But that's not right. Those are really aren't days not big, off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm feeling pretty good about this. I think every couple months or so, maybe I should just that's like the real me time. It's to like take the day other people are in charge of childcare And I'm not don't have to worry about work or anything. I just take that time.
0: Maybe I'll go see a movie sometime in the next three years. That is awesome. Um, I'll go next. I'm not sure if this is a I'm not sure if this is a genius or a fail, but my daughter has been kind of mainlining Harry Potter movies and has watched them all like a thousand times. And we're kind of in the dead zone. School starts next week. Her summer camps all stopped last week. Nothing is happening this week. (laughs) (laughs) other than way too much media consumption. So she was kind of interested in another series that I could watch that has some books attached to it that I could maybe get into reading. And we bounced a couple of ideas off of her, which she completely ignored and (laughs) just started cruising around. And God help me, she found the Twilight series. And I I mean, I checked Common Sense Media and said, like, yeah, it's garbage, but it is like not offensive garbage, (laughs) which also full disclosure, I've seen and read all of Twilight. Oh, man. They're Um, so
1: amazing. Oh, my God. Oh, that is.
0: They're both. They're simultaneously amazing and terrible.
1: Yeah. Oh, especially that last movie.
0: Oh anyway, man. sorry, go on. I'm interrupting. No, no, no. I just oh, so yeah. She watched all of Twilight, and now we have conversations about which of us is Team Edward and Team <laughs> Jacob. Uh, my husband and I had a fight about this. He's Team Jacob. I'm Team Edward. She is Team Jacob. I don't know where I went wrong in my parenting. <laughs> so it's a fail. I, I, I'm going to go ahead and say it. it's a parenting fail because my daughter is Team Jacob. <laughs> But it's a great conversation came out of it. I think she might read the book. We'll see. I'm, I, I'm hoping to get some book reading out of it. But yeah, it was it was a fun way to like yeah. have some good family conversation over a really bad movie. I was very heartened that her first question was. What? what's wrong with Bella? Why is she so weird? She's so mopey all the time. Why doesn't she just ask that guy out? Why isn't she just like, he's a vampire. He's so dumb. Why is she into him? And I was like, these are great questions, <laughs> honey. Yes.
1: I really do. I, ho- I hope she does read the books, like in that second book where there's like that whole section of just blank pages, like as the months go by.
0: Oh my God, that. Oh, she was really confused about that, dude. She was like, how much time, how long did she sit in her room? And I'm like, yeah, I know, honey. I know. <laughs> I
1: love that she was having conversations about it with heading off or no,
0: it was, it was really go good. On. We had yeah. like really good conversations about it and not just like the mechanics of like, why is this character, this character, but a lot of like, why are the characters doing this? And what, what do you think they're feeling? And, what is Bella's problem? And <laughs> it was a really good conversation that came out of it. I was very surprised and pleased.
2: So I was thinking about parenting wins. And we're going to be taking our first long trip over to Portugal in September. And awesome. I was like, what am I going to do? I'm going to be flying with both my kids without my husband because he'll be in St. Louis at Strange Loop. And I'm flying from San Francisco to New York with both boys by myself. And it's like, what am I going to do? And I was thinking about what I've done in the past with my older son, because if I keep him entertained, that's fine. I can attend to the baby and like, it'll all work itself out. So what my favorite traveling parenting win is I take a little Ziploc bag and I just pack it full of different snacks, like popcorn, chocolate covered raisins, a gummy worm. Apricots, I don't know, just like a whole mishmash of things. And he will sit with one little tiny snack, Ziploc bag for like an hour, just like picking through, eating the like (gasps) favorite thing first. It keeps him busy for so long. Oh my gosh.
0: Oh my God. I'm going to do this with my husband on a flight. This is amazing.
2: (laughs) Oh, I definitely pack them for me too.
1: No, like both activity and awesome tasty snacks because it's vacation nice. time. I mean, as soon as you described it, I also was a little bit, ooh, and then we get to sort them. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> that sounds amazing.
1: Thank you, Allison, so much for being a guest on this episode. I had a really great time chatting with you, both you and Josh about this topic that just finished up wrapping up this week of on-call anyway so it was very pertinent to me and to all our listeners so thanks so much for, again for listening to the parent driven development podcast we'd love to hear from you if you have questions that you'd like us to chat about on air email us at panel at or find us on twitter at parent driven development and if you like what you hear please support us on patreon.com parent driven dev or rate us on itunes thanks so much